Welcome to Kingdom Thinking. This is our second episode on cancel culture. If you haven't seen our first one, it's all good. I want to invite you to click on the link and check out our first take on revisiting cancel culture as Christians. How should we respond to it? What we want to talk about today is this peculiar situation with um, Oral Roberts University Mm -hmm. and the take yeah. on the sports journalist and what she wrote in the tournament. Yep. So can you briefly summarize for us? Yeah, so basically uh, in light of, so ORU is a small school in Tosa, o- Tulsa, Tosa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? And uh, they made it all the way to the Sweet 16, which is yeah. something that never really happens, yeah. right? To hear this tiny school in the same sentence as like a powerhouse like Duke or Kentucky or Kansas, all the good schools that are fun to watch. Uh, and so they make it all the way in. But what happens is when you do that, right? You, like you were saying, light gets kind of shined on you as a school. You exactly. make more money. You become more attractive to potential recruits going on down the line. So there's uh, you don't even necessarily have to win the whole tournament in order to benefit substantially from it, right? And so uh, there is a sports journalist, uh, uh, Himal Javeri of USA Sports. She writes this article uh, basically cautioning right sports fans in the NCAA to not really view ORU as the 2021 Cinderella story, uh, but rather as somebody to be suspicious of. Right. Right. And so there was kind of a big deal for that. Right. And she has some quotes here that are probably just worth reading as opposed yeah. to us trying to interpret Correct. her words so for her. her own words. Yeah. So she says, and I quote, uh, the NCAA should have never permitted Oral Roberts to participate in the national tournament due to the institution's apparently bigoted, out of date, homophobic prejudicial views on marriage gender and sexuality okay Uh, she says she goes on to say as the spotlight grows on oral roberts and it reaps the goodwill publicity and the revenue of a national title run the university's deeply bigoted anti-lgbtq plus policies can't and shouldn't be ignored the school's values are not just a quote relic of the past but wholly incompatible with the ncaa's own stated values of equality and inclusion And uh, lastly, she writes, the call of this USA Today columnist is for the NCAA to disqualify ORU and any school who holds its values from postseason NCAA play, as well as membership from the NCAA wholesale, end quote. So this is these are really strong words. Yeah, she's not mincing any punches. Uh, There's no ambiguity about where she stands on this. Yeah. Now, this is interesting to me because to be clear. Uh, Oral Roberts University, their players, their coach, president, there was nothing in particular that happened. There was no statement, no event, no thing that led to this, right? right? This is a response to their existence and their adherence to traditional Christian beliefs on marriage and sexuality. Right. So this ushers up and brings the question again of how should Christians respond to the um, pushback to the responses and potentially to the calls for cancellation, Mm -hmm. in this case, disqualification from um, collegiate sports Mm -hmm. and basketball. Like this is pretty serious, right? So, I mean, first let me get, let, let me get some thoughts on that because on the one hand, you know, I'm not much of uh, of a person who makes a big deal out of, out of some of these things. I don't really think that um, there's a lot that Christians should fear persecution from sure. in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. of all places. And I don't particularly, or I haven't in the past seen something like the LGBTQ movement as a threat. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I want to get your thoughts because the way that this is worded um, and the calls for total disqualification um, because it doesn't, it's not 
in other words, there was another place where she said that um, the institution's stance on these things are no longer in line with like common human decency. Right, right. Towards something like that has drawn the line in the sand and kind of reevaluated the perspective and the value set. Yeah. Um, let me get so just let me get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think what what we see here is somebody for whom the Overton window has clearly shifted. And so we've talked about the Overton window here before, right? Like what's acceptable dialogue, and then what needs to just be banished wholesale, right? right. So uh, we would all agree that like traditional Nazi sympathizers, in the way that's like historically understood, would be out of the Overton window, right? Just at, like to give an extreme example. Okay. And so what this uh, this writer has done, right? She has. Uh, and from the Christian, traditional Christian perspective, she has shrunk that Overton window to where Christians no longer belong to that conversation. And, right. And so that becomes an interesting sticking point Correct. in an attempt to dialogue because really what that has done is that has uh, completely closed the door to any type of dialogue, mm-hmm. right? Because it's outside of what's this acceptable commentary in yes. the social in the town square, right, right, as it were. And so either you agree with that based on the history of the church and its relationship with LGBTQIA kind of individuals, right, and a lot of, like, some of the potential what's considered, like, mental harm and the, tra- and the trauma that people have had to unpack from coming from that. Or on the other side, it's just like, hey, this is just the standard traditional belief that's been held for 2,000 years of Christendom, and it just kind of like, yeah, some of the beliefs that Christians hold – will be offensive to modern culture Mm -hmm. uh, and it just kind of is what it is yeah the first thing you said is where i want to camp on for a little bit because that's exactly right i think what's happening is and again i'm hesitant to say like like is this just a boogeyman or is this real sure like you know what i mean i i feel that tension but i think at least as it pertains to this this article that was written it really is equating something like a traditional view on, hey, I have a conviction on human sexuality based on my religion. That's now being equated to something like racial slurs, like sure. something like white supremacy. Like sure. Things that are like, whoa, these are really bad things. We're not even going to dignify that with a response. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, and I don't say this flippantly, but you know how like when there's a lot of shootings and then these people write manifestos. Mm-hmm. A common response to that would be like, no, no, no. What they want is for us to read that. We're not even going to dignify that. Sure. That doesn't even belong in our discourse right. because it's so far off of anything that's rational. I kind of feel like what she's proposing is, hey, we should see these archaic and irrational mm-hmm. and oppressive and uh, some language that I've heard from other people is violence. Yeah. The violence um, and hate and et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing. Sure. And I'm like, that's interesting because if that's what you're saying then it's a non-starter yeah then what you're asking isn't for tolerance you're asking for me to completely wholesale abandon something that you're accusing me right of, of being bigot. you see what i'm saying so yeah, that's course. different yeah yeah i mean and, it's a completely and so, different now, movement granted not everybody is saying this mm-hmm. right to be fair not everybody of of the pro lgbtqia perspective is that but this particular instance of saying this school should not participate in the NCAA, they shouldn't even be allowed to to be part of, of collegiate athletics, that's that's a strong call. Yeah, well, and so people who are proponents of um, that, or people who would hold and say that this is not a boogeyman, right, who would say that before, you know, 10 years ago, you would see this type of rhetoric in, like, salon articles, right? Like, super far mm. left, way progressive left. Uh, but now it's made its way into USA Today, right, right. which is – 
tends to be understood as a more mainstream okay. publication of sorts, right? And so people who would support the idea that this isn't just a boogeyman, but there is something to fear for American Christians here is like saying like, no, we don't fit in the public discourse mm. anymore, right? And, and there That's has, interesting. yeah, and so there has been a movement of that rhetoric from more fringe discussion type stuff to yeah. far more mainstream kind of outlets right. and discussions and those types of things. So there is, uh, it's not a boogeyman wholesale, yeah. right? Um, and so there is a conversation uh, to be had with those types of things, but it's an oddity in one sense because this is not calling for a conversation. And I would imagine, right, that if you spoke to if you spoke to her, if you spoke to Hamal, she would probably just say, like, yeah, I don't want to have a conversation. Like, we have decided as a society that it's time to move beyond this. And if you're mm-hmm. a proponent of that belief, you would agree with that. You would say, you know, you look at the historical way that American Christians have treated LGBTQ communities, particularly, you know, in the 80s and 90s during the first AIDS epidemic and as things were running and how poor the church response was, say like, it's archaic and it's detrimental and it is violent, right? In in some sense, in terms of the mental trauma that it does. So it's time for us to move beyond that, yeah. right? And, and to shut you out of the public discourse right. because there's no room for you anymore. Correct. So to the degree that that is in effect what the call is, then, I mean, I have a few thoughts on the logic of that. Sure. And then I want to talk about three possible responses to essentially a call to cancel this particular school in the tournament, right? Yeah. So my my first thought is I have a hard time seeing the consistency Mm -hmm. in the values that someone of this perspective is claiming uh and the actual call and um what she thinks should be done because of those values right to stand for inclusion and equality and tolerance but to do so only for your guild members or for those who agree with you it seems that it cheapens the actual value Mm. because you're not actually standing for inclusion and tolerance you're standing for in a, a call to agree with your perspective right or bust yeah yeah so so what that that does is there's no middle ground for disagreement it's an all or nothing take and that's where i think things get dangerous because Mm -hmm. at least as i understand you know principled pluralism um a perspective where you can have some sort of uh fundamental core values and have areas of disagreement like freedom of religion Mm -hmm assumes principled pluralism Mm -hmm. right like you don't have to be a christian or a muslim Mm -hmm. or you you can believe in whatever deity you want Mm -hmm. right like that's generally a good thing Mm -hmm. but if the conversation continues to move where there's ethics or values that are no longer negotiable um then there's no middle ground. Right. Now, granted, we shouldn't pretend that we don't have those, right? Because we do. We put people and we remove people from society who kill other people. Right. Yes, we do that. But to put something like sexual ethics or a perspective on marriage and human sexuality in that is really interesting to me. I don't think it's new, but I'm starting to feel more compelled towards. Now, wait a minute. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because definitely what what happens is with this is like the broad strokes of what used to be the Overton window have been tightened. No doubt. I mean, you you can't be just, I mean, if you spend 10 minutes on Twitter, Instagram, right? Like, you'll you'll see this, right? Okay. Uh, And like Twitter has, in the past, I've heard people reference it as like the bathroom wall of the internet, right? It tends to become more like that. It feels like the more I'm on it. But the idea behind all this being like, 
the Overton window has no doubt shifted and it seems to have um, gotten tighter. And the problem with this in this kind of idea of like, like pluralism's Achilles heel, both religiously speaking and, you know, and societally speaking, is like who determines what's the acceptable, who determines the, the guardrails right, exactly. for, for the discussion. Uh, and, you know, it's just will always be whoever's in power. And so the response that you would get from the other side of that would say like, yeah, and it's been white, conservative, heteronormative males who have held power in this country's history for its, you know, entire existence. And this is a way of kind of pushing back against that. So you're, we're not really, or you're not really being persecuted as it were. Uh, it's just more of like a, Hey, we are making elbow room at the table hmm. since we have been forced out for so long. Interesting. Right? And, and, you know, I mean, there's a, his, there's a historical argument to be made there. No doubt. There has to be a totalitarian element to securing a core center of which values are non-negotiable. Sure. At some point, when you decide these are the core values that like we can disagree on other stuff and I'm good with a principle of pluralism on a bunch of other things, mm -hmm. but not these mm -hmm. by nature, that's totalitarian. Sure. Right. By nature, that is demanding, not requesting the um, acquiescing of the other person mm -hmm. to be part of the society. You have to acquiesce to that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. And so the call for all people of modern society to have to now adopt this perspective, um, this ideology with reference to, to marriage and, and, and sexual ethics, that's, I think there's warrant and merit there to say like, okay, like, well, we should, we got to respond in some way. Mm -hmm. So there's three Christian authors that offered a response to this. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's look at some of the, the merits, some of the strengths um, and maybe potentially some of the weaknesses of their views. So the first one is, is Al Mohler. Uh, Al Mohler is the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, very respected thinker in a lot of conservative evangelical mm -hmm. circles. So he, he writes the following. He says, the gauntlet has been thrown. The challenge has been given in a publication that bears the masthead of USA Today. Make no mistake. This may be about Oral Roberts University today, but the same will be said about you and your school or your church or your organization tomorrow. Count on it. All the, the scare words in this article about bigotry, phobia, regressive sexist policies, and fundamentalist morality, and wildly out of line with modern society and the basic values of human decency will soon be directed at any Christian in institution that dares to defy the new moral order. The only question remains, will your school capitulate or stand firm in the truth of God and the promise of his word. Whether you realize it or not, you are making that decision right now. So what I understand Al Mohler's position to be is um, this is already happening and the ball's rolling. Right. Because it's not on the basis of their university, right? It's on the basis of the specific ethic. So if they can do that to a university, they're going to do it to anybody who has that same ethic. Right. So you're either going to stand firm in your conviction or, or flop. Right. I understand this and I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time kind of reading the undertones. You don't sound like you're fully there yet. with No. Him. Well, so I'm trying to understand if he's calling for a fight, mm. like we got to fight this or if he's saying like, Hey, just get ready for persecution. Cause it's sure. I, how do you read it? Uh, yeah. As the latter, right? Like, Hey, this is coming down the pipe. Just be, just be ready. Just be ready. Coming okay. Down the pipe, gotcha. Uh, so 
what do you think about that perspective? Yeah, I don't think he's wrong. Uh, I mean, there will probably be a time where we become so post-Christian that anything Christian-related is offensive, yeah. right, to modern sensibilities. Uh, and that's okay. I mean, like, that seems probably like a good way to go. You know, I, I kind of, a large part of me cheers for that, right, when I think about, like... <laughs> Say the, more about that. Well, then I think about the effectiveness of the church. That's a confusing sentiment. When I think about the church's effectiveness in the first 400 years of its existence before it becomes... Uh, the main religion of Rome, yeah, right. Uh, I tend to want to kind of get back hmm. to that world, gotcha. uh, at least theoretically. I see what you're saying. You know, because I think anytime we mix Christianity with power on a political level, it's very I think vulnerable it's, to distortion. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's almost always bad. Yeah, there. like I, <laughs> I'm hard pressed to think of like I see what you're awesome, saying. Great times. So the like the compelling the the attractiveness uh, of Christianity was that it was just it was a minority, it was entirely odd. countercultural. There you go. Yeah, that's what it is. That's yeah. interesting. Um, and yeah, did they suffer persecution? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was part of the deal. Yeah. Dude, biting the bullet with that. I mean, in, in principle, right. I'd like to think like, oh yeah. I'm, yeah. I, yeah. That's, and that's why. Like, so like, what does that mean? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to like not be able to feed my family? You know what I mean? Um, however, if, if you actually believe these things to be true, then like, yeah, that's yeah. what it means like it to might bite mean the that. bullet. Yeah. It might mean that. Right. True. Then there's Ed Stetzer. Mm -hmm. He's a dean at Wheaton College, so another um, Christian institution, probably less conservative than Southern Baptist, maybe more central, uh, more moderate. And so he's kind of relaying the concern of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities. And this is kind of, this quote is interesting to me. It says, faith-based higher education has always been an essential element of the diversity of higher education. In the U.S., many of the first colleges and universities in the U.S. were religious, and it's essential that protections for LGBT persons be paired with essential religious freedoms that maximize freedom for all. So one of the interesting things that he wrote about was how he understands the backdrop for this conversation to be the Equality Act. Yeah. And so he's using the same language, right? In in a way. But I I think this is kind of highlighting a different point. Mm -hmm. And. The point that it's highlighting is not only the inconsistency, but the call to reason. Right. Like, right. hold on. Like, hey, we're, we're all for protections. Like, we don't think anybody should be bullied. Right. And if you want to identify as, as a particular gender or live your lifestyle a certain way, we're not interested in bullying you. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to be bullied either. Right. It seems more of a call to reason. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the, I don't know, like, are you hopeful that a call to reason uh, would be effective at this point where no. like you said right yeah, not particularly the center has shifted yeah I, I don't know that you can because when i as i try to continue to understand the conversation from the lgbtq yeah. plus perspective it's like my very existence is offensive to you right and when i think about it from that perspective it's like yeah i can i understand why it's such a frustration from you know from that understanding where it's like i'm not even allowed to you know exist well in, in terms like i can exist but i can't live a meaningful life under your understanding right and so his pushback the only thing is like well you don't have to associate with us you don't have to be in our circles you don't have to listen to our media consume our content or do anything like that you're well free to live your own parallel life in america and that's what makes it great there and but as things get smaller and as the world gets smaller and as the countries get smaller uh, i like more interconnected yeah i mean just through technology just through higher density of population Right. right like i just don't think that we can keep moving in parallel circles in the same way. Interesting. Right? So this is inevitable. Yeah, I, that's how I feel. Okay. Yeah. 
Interesting. And then there's Dr. Jim Dennison. He's a founder of like a media apologetics mm -hmm. channel. And he, he says, hey, given the situation, there might not be a clear prescription on how right. to move forward, but there's two principles that I think are really important. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. He says, number one, be courageous. Number two, be compassionate. Mm -hmm. So if you can discern the situation of what is it, is it fight? Is it go say, no, we need legislation to protect religious liberties. Is it call to reason? Is it, you know, just let it happen. Wh whatever you know, side you land on, uh -huh. do it with compassion and with courage. Uh -huh. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the most um, logically sound approach to me, right? Because it's going to be the thing that we're probably going to end up having to have conversations about anyway, right? Because eventually we're going to get to a point uh, where we just don't tow, or you either can't tow the line or you have to abandon historical mm -hmm. orthodoxy, mm -hmm. right? And if you feel like there's precedent to abandon historical orthodoxy, like we see churches doing that in some conversations. So denomination splitting. Yeah, so to pretend like it's not happening is foolish. Uh, so you either have to go that route or you just have to be okay with being ostracized. Taking the consequences. Or, yeah, or just being considered to be like a bigot or a homophobe or a racist or, you know, you have to be okay with, being steeped in those titles, right? Mm. And then you rely on principles like Jesus's words when he says, you know, the world will hate you, but take heart and hated me first, you know, but I've overcome the world. You know, they, like you have to really Believe cling that. to those promises. Otherwise you're not going to be able to really True. exist well, yeah. you know, in that spot. Interesting. So. Yeah. I mean, this is one instance of a sticky uh, situation like mm -hmm. that. And I think you're right. I think we can anticipate a lot more happening yeah. in different industries in different circles. Um, so what do you guys think? Which of the three responses felt most compelling or most interesting to you? Make sure to leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in next time on Kingdom Thinking. <laughs>